Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, hope you're having a great Tuesday. Sandy's here, so is Greg, and Debbie and Adam is producing the show. Marquette making an announcement today. This is kind of a fun announcement. They've announced their commencement speaker for the spring graduation ceremony for undergrads. That's the big one. It is Marley Matlin, the Academy Award winner. She is coming to Marquette and serving as their speaker. Uh, this is pretty cool. The gifted actress is going to be at Marquette giving the big address. I love this. She's an impressive, impressive woman. She has not only achieved herself by being a deaf performer, getting an Academy Award, but she's really dedicated a lot of her life to making more opportunities for people with disabilities, whether it's performing or just really living regular life. And she even has an app to teach you Hmm. ASL. She won that Academy Award 36 years ago. (laughs) I I can't believe it's been that long. Children of a Lesser God came out in 1987, and it was her acting debut. Wow. And she won the Academy Award, the first uh, deaf person to win an Academy Award, the youngest winner in the Best Actress category. Um, she's very, very impressive woman, and she will be the speaker there for their big graduation class. And when is that, in May? May, yeah, 20th? May 20th. And one of our big mottos at Marquette is, be the difference. So here's mm-hmm. a woman who, even if she didn't graduate from Marquette, she'll have an honorary degree after that, um, after the commencement. Yeah. But, uh, wow, here's a great example of a woman living a life where she really is making a difference. I love that. All right. Donald Trump, the rumors were today that he would be indicted. That has not happened. It could happen tomorrow. I mean, it could not happen at all. We're keeping our eye on that. Major Garrett, CBS's chief Washington correspondent, is with us up next on WTMJ. Major Garrett is CBS's chief Washington correspondent, the Takeout Podcast. I love this show, and it's heard here on WTMJ's. Mark it down and check it out on Saturdays. His book is The Big Truth. He is the big dog. Major's with us this afternoon. Major, thank you so much for spending some time with us. That's you. That's you. All day long. I thought maybe we'd get a woof woof or something. Woof, woof. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good to be with you. How is everybody? Hey, good, good. I wanted to ask you about the story, which really hasn't developed into a story today, but could tomorrow, and that's Donald Trump. Uh, the protesters lined up in New York. The Manhattan DA's office says we will not be intimidated. Trump has spoken about this, and he could be indicted, emphasis on could, sometime in the next couple of days. What are you following closely when you think about the twists and turns of this story in the past 48 hours? Several layers of it. First, the most important question it's on everyone's mind uh it's on the mind of people who have nothing to do with journalism politics or the largest americans uh we have a rather engaged morning call at cbs with all of our correspondents and bureau chiefs all across the country and just anecdotally people la dallas all over the country are having conversations with their friends who know they work for a news organization they want to know what's going to happen what's going on what do you know what do you know so this has become a national story for obvious reasons. We've never seen a former president indicted. And if we do, it will be without precedent in our history. And that is a very big deal, a very, very big deal. So that's one layer. That's the most obvious layer. What's the case itself? We don't know. There is a sense that it's about fraudulent records relating to a hush money payoff, 
right around the election and then possibly attached to a felony violation of uh, New York election laws. We don't know. What's the evidence? Is it all based on Michael Cohen's testimony or is there something else? Is there a documentation, an email, a text, something like that? So what's the evidence? And then what are the ramifications, not just for politics, but for our sense of how our judicial system either does or doesn't operate fairly, and the entire national conversation about that. And much of that will at least partially be viewed through the prism of people who are loyal to former President Trump. And there's some calls for this in some of the aspects of the Internet where it was found before January 6th and after January 6th, people wanted to act violently to combat what they perceive to be the persecution of former President Trump. All of those things are on my mind as this enormously important decision set in motion by the current Manhattan District Attorney is before the country. Like you said, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, maybe. It feels very much like people I've talked to who are close to this in New York sometime this week. So, Major, if this similar violation, alleged violation, I should say, happened in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. which was the way it was reported, the way it was filed, how the money was used, it would at the very worst be a misdemeanor. But experts I've talked to said that this would likely be handled as you need to amend the paperwork and maybe you pay a fine. Do you believe he's being treated differently and the scrutiny is different because of who he is? So uh, just on our streaming network, uh, CBS News streaming, uh, Red and Blue, I anchored that show, and I had Ty Cobb, who was for two years the president's lawyer in the White House dealing with the Robert Mueller investigation, and I asked him that question. I said, people who I've talked to close to the district attorney say the facts of this matter are clear, and if it were anyone other than Donald Trump, that person would be prosecuted quickly and without hesitation. Ty Cobb's opinion, and he's no defender of President Trump now, at least on January 6th, the insurrection and lies about the 2020 election. He said, on this matter, the only person who could conceivably be prosecuted for this would be Donald Trump. He said, it looks political. This could be handled in different ways. I'm not sure you can, New York, under New York law, you can amend your paperwork, but it is a misdemeanor. And the only way this becomes a felony is if you attach it to something else. And it's a methodology of applying the statutes for prosecution that, to my knowledge, has never been seen before, which raises very fundamental questions. Is this a legitimate prosecution? And if not, why are you bringing it? Why? What is the imperative? And is this really the kind of person, a former president of the United States, who should be hauled before the bar, handcuffed, fingerprinted, mugshotted, bail hearing over this? It's an enormously important question, and the DA has to answer for it, not just in terms of the public, but the evidence being brought. And that will be tested in court. But in the meantime, the country, if it goes to this level, if he's indicted, it's going to be put through the ringer. And the great question that will hang over that decision is, was it worth it and was it legitimate? And this is yet another opportunity for someone who really enjoys the spotlight uh, to be back in the spotlight when he's on the campaign trail for 2024. I mean, yes and no. Um, The simple truth is nobody wants to be indicted. Nobody wants to go through this process, even if you believe either short-term or mid-term or possibly even long-term, it can be of some political benefit for you. And look, the underlying facts of this case, because this, again, is not about the hush money payment. It's clear that the hush money payment was paid. And it's clear it was paid to hide an affair 
or the allegation of an affair very close to a presidential election. None of that is really disputed. There's nothing about the Donald Trump that I've come to know and the former president that I've come to know is eager for that to be cycled through the public consciousness one more time. He certainly doesn't want Melania to be reminded of it. It is a sordid part of his past that quite clearly there were some efforts, how directly he involved, we don't know, to suppress this, maybe for political reasons, maybe just for personal reasons. So at that level, I don't think Trump is dying to have this re-litigated in the public space. But there is a dimension of this that fires up his base. And because I sign up like every reporter does to find out what fundraising emails are sent by anyone in the political sphere, I've gotten no fewer than 15 fundraising emails from Donald Trump or Associated Political Action Committees since Saturday. It may be 20 by now. I haven't checked my email in the last two hours. So there is a component of this that the former president and his campaign associates believe, at least in the short term, can provide some manner of political benefit, if not in the polling data, certainly in sympathetic contributions. Major, how many people are in your March Madness pool? How many, how many of us are there? 153. I see your son's in 12th place. That's pretty good. I see Jonathan <laughs> Carl's getting his butt kicked. That's pretty good. Um, I have the app open right back, now. Back, 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 back. I started this during the Obama administration. Back then, uh, David Axelrod played, and Robert Gibbs played, oh, wow. and people in the White House played. Yes, it was that's kind of awesome. They've all, they've all filtered away. It's, but there's still political types in there and media types and lot, lots of friends and people I've got to know over the years. And there's a huge charity component. We'll have the largest winner-take-all uh, payment. And then I personally, this is my thing. It's sort of a Lenten thing I do because I can't deny myself anything. I'm terrible at that, so I have to pay things forward. I triple the winner's sum, which will be about – $2,600 this year, and they'll give it to the, their favorite charity. That's how it works. That's so fantastic. I'm, I'm in like 140th place. Uh, <laughs> your boy David Becker's in second place. Yes, he is. Wow. And, 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 and as I said, if anyone wants to challenge this, there will be a forensic audit. You just have to <laughs> fill out the forms in triplicate and give it to uh, have it notarized by the special counsel, Jack Smith. But if you get that, we'll have a forensic audit. Steve Shigaris is in this pool. This is so. This is this is so fun. I was I, excited when I was just, just two notches below Jonathan Carl. I was like, "All right, look at me. I'm in good company exactly. here at the bottom. It's okay." And by the way, your book's much more interesting than his book. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yep. Yep. Mark it down. That Ladies is a fact. And gentlemen, he said it, and I didn't say yep. anything. Just for the record, it is the big truth. You really need to check it out. Uh, by the way, the Takeout Podcast, 6 o'clock this Saturday. Major Garrett, thank you so much. Always good to uh, catch up with you. We appreciate you. Commissioner Major Garrett. That's right. Mr. Commissioner. <laughs> the commission. The commission. Right. By the way, you guys, the notes that this commissioner writes, incredible. It's like a chapter in one of his books. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Major, this is really, really good. I'm like sharing them with my daughter. My daughter's 30 years okay. old. She's like, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm reading the notes from my, my, uh, my pick'em pool. She's like, what? Yeah, Major Garrett, you need to read this. And... And his hot take on French Bulldogs. Yes. And why they exactly. are the most yes. popular breed. Unbelievable. Great stuff. Thank you, Major. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Wisconsin's Afternoon News on WTMJ. I mean, seriously. Knock it off. Just stop. <laughs> it's spring in the Nisnansky household. What, what was going on? That's at your house. 
Oh, my goodness. These Robins are insane, and this is the second spring in a row that they've done this. And before people start to, oh, we'll try this, try that, I have literally tried everything. Aww. I've done this now for two springs where the Robins are crashing into my windows, and they I know they're, they see their reflection, they want to fight their reflection, <laughs> and I can do nothing that will stop them from Do they get hurt? Up owls. I haven't had one that's actually gotten good, hurt, good. Um, but they've they've hurt. I mean, it's, I would think they <laughs> doesn't feel good. Um, <laughs> I mean, like and seriously, and they they'll they'll move on to the next window, and then, and I probably have. I've been trying to like figure out like how many multiple ones. I probably have about four. Wow, um, that are <clears throat> so. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know if it's just the sunlight or the whatever that my house is the one that they're deciding to do this. But but yeah, everything I've read up on it yep. is is that they're they're probably trying to figure out where they want to put their nests. And while they're doing that, they're seeing their reflection in my window, and they just will continue to slam into it. So what are you so, doing to dissuade the uh, robin from banging into your okay, windows? So I- I've set up owls. I've set up aluminum foil in the windows because apparently that's supposed to reflect the light and yep. make them scared to not do it. I've put things in the trees, like little like <laughs> twirly things. I, I've uh, I've put up uh, pictures. I've printed out uh, pictures of hawks that I put in the windows. <laughs> Uh, I don't. So I don't know what, what to do now. Oh I feel God. like you could print up pictures of other things, like just a picture of your face, like that's yelling, hilarious. "Go away!" <laughs> oh, or a picture that's... of a cat head. You hey, know. Have you done a scarecrow? Have you, uh, scarecrow. Oh. Yeah, that's possible. A I mean, that's actually a good idea. That probably goes along the lines of the owls. Like for, and the thing is, is like each one of these things work for like a day. <laughs> Until they figure out that it's yeah. just whatever I put yeah, out. Those there. are smart robins. Uh, yeah, they can just poop on whatever you're putting out there. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We I wanted don't... to uh, give you congratulations to your beautiful wife. She was uh, part oh, of the thanks. forty under forty last night. That is quite an accomplishment. That's really cool. Yeah, super proud of her, uh, Julie. She's with the Associated Bank. She's in their private client services, and like she works a lot harder than I do. So uh, I'm glad she's <laughs> she's recognized for that. Which, by the way, I, I'm waiting for like the sixty over sixty whenever that comes out <laughs> at some point. That's what I'm striving for. <laughs> no, it, it was a cool event. Um, really, really neat, and and I'm just really proud of her. Um, I, I I couldn't be more proud. She ba- balances being a great mother and yeah. and is a lot smarter with people's money than than I am with our own money. So that is great stuff. All right, uh, the sounds weather sounds like the whole package. If she could just figure out how to fix the robins from <laughs> yeah, bashing into the window, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. What has she been waiting for? I'm the one who's on Amazon. I'm searching ideas on what to get uh, help with the robins. You yeah, said she's no, smart. Put her on robin duty. Exactly. <laughs> And maybe we're onto something. Yeah. That'll be our next. Will there be any strong winds coming to maybe blow them <laughs> off track? Uh, <laughs> you know, not so much wind, but maybe a few rain showers. So as we pick into into tonight, there's a there's a slight chance, like after midnight, we get a stray little shower. Uh, low temperature, 38 degrees. Wednesday again, like these are like 20 percent chance of like. At some point during the day, you get clipped with a stray little shower. I would say tomorrow our best chance is south of Milwaukee. High temperature is 50 degrees tomorrow, so feels pretty good. Um, Thursday, mostly cloudy, getting colder again, and a chance of a rain or snow shower, 40 degrees. Friday, mostly cloudy, 38. And Saturday, I think, is the day to watch. I'm not calling for a major winter storm yet, but there is the, the models are showing a, a storm system that 
could bring at least some accumulation to the area on Saturday. Uh-oh. So we'll keep. So we'll watch out for that. It's still March after all. I do know a lot of people have spring break travel contingencies on Saturday, so stay up with the forecast if if you have if you're one of those lucky folks. Well, and the good news is snow this time of year will not stick around very long. That's true. Um, and that would be the case again. I mean, even after that, we're back into the 40s, if not 50s, the following week. So, But, yeah, it does look like it's it's at least worth watching on Saturday. Maybe a little snow would scare the Robins off. Yep, that's true. Yes, yeah, send them back to where they came from. Exactly. Over winter. Yeah, that's it's long. winter. Get out of here. Wait a minute. If they're looking for a place to nest, could you get a series of birdhouses and hang them in the tree? <laughs> Why not? You know what? Let's just open the windows and have them come in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, meteorologist Brian Nisnansky. I'm trying to help, Niz. I'm trying to help. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's 545 at WTMG. <laughs> Sports Wisconsin's Zora Stevenson is with us on the hotline. It's Tuesdays with Zora. Hello, Zora. Thanks for being with us. Hey, what's going on? Zora, there's a, there's a cool list out today, actually. It's the happiest countries in the world. What would you guess? Here's the things they thought about. How well people are off financially, whether they have the freedom to do what they want, uh, whether they have good health care, and how they feel about their personal freedom. Countries in the world that are the happiest. What comes to mind? I'm going to tell you how you do. Oh, so I'm supposed to pick the country? Yeah, what do you think? What would be a happy, happy place? Okay, I mean, this is these are just guesses. I'm going to pick somewhere in Iceland. Oh, my gosh. You did great. All right. Oh, really? Is Iceland on the list? Yeah, there's 150 countries. Iceland's right near the top. They're number three. Okay. Uh... Norway? You're really good ding, at this ding, game. Ding. Number, Number seven. Seven. Yep. Dang. Uh, Sweden. Ding, ding, ding. It's number six. Okay. Dang, girl. This is like watching you take go, free throw go, shots. Go, I'm like, all go. right, keep them going. This is awesome. Uh, is Switzerland on there? Number eight. Yes. World's wow. happiest countries. Keep it going. I want this streak to go. Come on, Zora. <laughs> wow. Okay. I'm like I'm like I don't know if I should stop. Okay, I'll do. I'll try one more. One more. Um, is Denmark yes! number two? Oh I, I don't think I've ever been you so proud of you, it. Zora. I don't think I've ever been so proud of you. Have you wow. been to any of these countries? Is this why you know they're happy? Well, I've been to Iceland. I just went to Iceland this past summer, ah. and they were explaining like the so that I just picked all the Nordic countries. Yep. Um, because we were talking to a ton of people there and just. The, the way of life, it was, yeah, we, we met a ton of different types of people, and, uh, yeah. Because number one is right I, there, I too. I figured Iceland was on the list, and so we just did all the countries around it. Yeah, number one is Finland, so it's also right there. Ah, uh, yeah. Nice job. Yeah. Interesting. What's on your travel bucket list? What's near oh. the top of the list? Yeah, right, kind of, I mean, I've never been to, my husband's been to Italy, and he's like, Zora, you got to go, I've been, it's amazing. I've never been to Italy or Spain. Mm. Uh, I mean, a lot of countries in Europe. Iceland was just kind of a random uh, adventure for us. That's a hot spot. That's one of the and hottest places in the world. Fun it, yeah, it was only like a five, six-hour flight. Um, 
So it's closer, if you don't have a ton of time, it's closer than some of the other yeah. European countries. So. Wait, wait, so when your husband says, Zora, in Italy, you got to go, is he saying you need to go by yourself, or would he come along no, with like, you? No, that's a we need to go. We <laughs> need to go. Okay, very important <laughs> distinction there. <laughs> well, I think you got to go to Greece, because you know the guy who will tell you all the cool places sure. to go. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's a given. I was trying to, I mean, yeah, I've never been to Greece, and I need to I need to add that to my list. I wanted to ask you about Brooke Lopez, because I feel like, Zora, sometimes Brooke kind of gets lost in the shuffle. The team knows how important he is, but when you got Drew and Giannis and Chris, uh, why is Brooke so important to this team? Yeah, man, he's playing so well. Why is he so important to this team? Oh, my goodness, for so many reasons. I mean, defensively, he, he is the anchor. He is the guy. He takes the paint personally, and, it, and it's not just his ability to protect the paint or all of his block shots. It's his communication. I mean, everybody hears Brooke behind them. And then offensively, I mean, this season, his versatility, he's got this ability to give the Bucks whatever they need. So if it's, if it's threes, that's great. But what I've loved this season is seeing him get to the rim off the dribble. I mean, for a seven-footer to be able to do that is so impressive. Um, yeah. He's just got so many things, um, and then and then he's a great locker room guy, and and he cheers for other people. And I mean, you saw, you know how he how he cares about his teammates. So just just all around, I mean, I think everybody is so high on Brook Lopez, and and for good reason. I'm trying to find a way to bottle up the rest of the season, like protect the number one seed, not really have to play anybody extensive minutes, just sort of keep everybody healthy and fresh, and, and then get into the postseason. I'm guessing it's not going to work out that way, but, man, just bottle up these last 25 games and take it with you. Yeah, Greg, I think you're asking for a lot, right? Because, um, <laughs> I mean, you want to be you want to be healthy. Uh, that That's the number one thing. Like, if they've got to slip to number two to be healthy, I think it's worth it. Uh, they've also, I mean, that 16-game win streak created a nice cushion. I mean, two and a half games, yes, you can easily, I mean, they're two and a half games ahead of, Boston, who's in, in number two at this moment. I mean, Boston and Philly kind of keep teetering back and forth. Um, but they, they, they've just put themselves in a in a great position to, to be successful. Number one would be great. Everybody on this team will tell you uh, how important, you know, home court advantage is. 29-7 uh, and seven at home, the best home record in the Eastern Conference. But you don't want to sacrifice health for it. So if everybody's good and everybody can play, great. But you're you're not going to push the limit. So uh, that's why Coach Bud and, and John Horse make those decisions, and we get to enjoy it all. But no, that's at the top of their mind. So that really is that's an interesting point because last year the Bucks had a chance to win the final day of the season. They would have eclipsed the Celtics in the standings, and the decision was made to let the frontline players kind of chill out, right? So the Bucks lost that game, ended up behind right. Boston in the seedings. But then that game seven was in Boston. My, my, I'm, I'm with you, but part of me also says the Bucks would love to have a game seven against anybody in Milwaukee versus on the road. Like that's what you have to weigh here, right? For sure, and I think I think not that they learned a lesson, but it reemphasized the importance of home court advantage last season, especially because you just never know what can happen in the playoffs. I mean, you end up losing Chris Middleton and, and an extra boost at home would have been helpful, right? Um, I think where they were coming from at that point, I mean, they had just come off the championship season. We're going, you know, kind of a year in reverse here. And they had won it out of the three seed. So in their minds, it was like, okay, it wasn't necessary. Like, to win, we didn't need to be number one. 
And you have to remember, this is a team that had all the successful regular seasons and had been number one in the regular season for a few years, and they couldn't get over the hump. And the one year they do get over the hump, they're not the number one seed. So it's hard to forget that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I definitely think they, they realize the importance of home court advantage. She is Zora Stevenson. You can check out her work tonight on Bally Sports. Zora, thank you so much for being with us. Talk to you soon. Oh, wait, is that tomorrow night? Yes. Zora, I just, I just almost made you work tonight. Yeah, <laughs> You are so polite. She's just like, okay, I'll talk to you yeah, next hustle week. Hustle down to the arena, Zora. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Zora. We will talk Bye. to you next week. Have a good week.